When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Shockers and Cuss Words, a podcast that dives into self-improvement, completing goals, and overcoming modern-day obstacles. I am your host, Catherine, and together we will address our fears, establish self-awareness, and complete self-growth through honesty and reflection. Remember to please like and share this podcast. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to Chakras and Cuss Words podcast. I am Catherine. I am your host. Today we are doing a different type of episode. This is a kind of like a story time approach. I'm excited to talk about this story. It's a story that's kind of fascinated me for, I would say, a few days and I really wanted to talk about it. It is about the four children who went missing after their plane crash in the Colombian Amazon jungle for 40 days. It's kind of a very in-depth story of survival, um, living off the elements. And in all honesty, I feel like there's a spiritual presence about this story. It has a lot of folklore type mystical story time features to it that I feel like it was too, too, just too fascinating to pass up and not actually talk about it. And we will kind of get into some of the astrology that's surrounded by the story and also some of the area of numerology and how it goes back to spirit and also how it kind of taps into the area of Christianity and some of the resemblance of it. So this story has taken place um, basically in the Colombian um, Amazon jungle. So the way it really starts off is there is a plane crash and this plane crash happened right around on May 1st. And for those who don't know, um, May 1st was the day that Pluto went retrograde in Aquarius. And I will talk about what I kind of think that means at the end of the story. I kind of want to talk about the story of these four children. So in the Amazon jungle of Colombia, these were indigenous children and they lived in this environment that was known for being very native to them. Um, it is like the rainforest. It is like the jungle and it is very 
um, hard to walk. It's, it's very kind of like a hard place to live in. It's, you know, it's habitat is not, um, so I guess you could say so uh, modern. <laughs> it is a very native area of land. So these four children were in a plane with, um, with some adults as well. They were traveling because in in Colombia, they use these small planes to travel. They use these small planes to kind of like get from one place to another. It's, it's I guess, pretty um, common for them to do this um, because they can't really walk the rainforest. Like walking the rainforest is considered pretty difficult. So what they do is um, they will get in like these small planes and kind of um, travel to different locations. So one of the obstacles was basically just walking the land of the Colombian jungle. And what happened was this plane crashed and it literally crashed like straight down. Um, I was looking at the picture of the plane and the plane's nose was literally in the ground. Like I'm surprised there was any survivor survivors at all um they said that there was that when they found the plane that they found the bodies of three adults who were aboard and one of the adults was the children's mother magadalina muchutui the the time that they found the mother, they weren't really sure if she survived the initial crash. Some people speculate that she actually survived the crash, but some people are saying that she might not have survived the actual impact. It's kind of a gray area. Like, did she survive for a couple days and then pass away, or did she pass away on impact? Because the first few stories say that the mother actually um, died on impact, where some other stories are saying that she may have survived for a few days. So the reason why they believe that the plane crashed is because obviously these people are taking like these planes that are small and they aren't really regulated and they tend to have issues and troubles. This plane supposedly crashed due to bad weather. And what is very interesting is when they approached this plane and they found that the children were missing, they saw it as a very good sign that these children might be somewhere in the jungle. And you would think that the children would kind of maybe stay close to the jungle area of where the plane crash happened, but who's to say, right? We don't really know the whole thing. But one of the things that is interesting is that these children were raised with the area of survival. So they are from the Hutitu to O2 to O2 indigenous group and these children fluctuate in age from 13 9 4 and they even had an 11 month old baby with them 
And the children's grandfather and grandmother said that these children, if any children were going to survive, it was going to be these children because they were very um, indigenous and they did know how to survive off the land. And they did know how to survive off of the elements of the land. And they did have this area of experience that most people like don't have, right? I mean, I don't know if I would be able to survive off the land of the Columbian um, jungle, but these children were able to. So I think it's interesting that a lot of people acknowledge like these children were obviously hunters. They were gatherers. They had experience in fishing and they were very... I guess you could say strong-willed. Um, their grandfather, Fenicio Valencia, stated that the oldest, Leslie, um, she she was very much surrendered around like survival. Um, they had this energy of being brave and strong and that she would know how to take care of the baby. So it was kind of interesting that the grandfather was like, these children are going to survive. Like he, he spoke that out. Um, I think he spoke that out a few times that he had very little doubt that they weren't going to survive, that he felt that they were going to survive and, and live through this. There was also a nine-year-old, um, and she was known to also be very assertive and very much a leader. One of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is that for the 40 days that they were looking for these children, that a lot of times the grandfather and the grandmother would go out like with a loudspeaker phone and try to talk to the children and say, it's us, it's your grandparents, it's your, you know, um, it's, it's us in their native language, come home or come out. Um, we can take you home. We can care for you. We can, um, you know, get you back. We know you're out there, come back to us. But a lot of times the search just went, it just went, quiet. The kids never came out. They never, they never revealed where they were. They never kind of like said, Hey, we're over here. But the search and rescue was a, um, it was a, a group of indigenous, um, indigenous natives of the land of the Amazon from the tribes, the local tribes, and it was also the military as well. So it was a group of different, you know, people, people who were familiar with the land and also the military as well, who I would um, think were familiar too. They also used a lot of like search and rescue dogs. And it is believed that the search and rescue dogs are actually the ones who found the children. So one of the things that the children's um, aunt said was that these children were very well diverse on how to survive. Um, they said that sometimes they would play like little games, like almost like survival games where 
um, they would set up these camps and live in the jungle for a few days, kind of without getting help from the parents or the parents were like teaching them what to live off of and teaching them um, what to eat. So both the older children, the older girls, I believe, knew which fruits were non-poisonous in comparisons to the ones that are poisonous because I guess there's a lot of poisonous fruits in the Amazon jungle. So kind of let's get into the area of how they found these children. So these children were basically found from the search and rescue dogs and of course the military and the group of um, indigenous people that were helping. But many people believe that it was the service dogs. Um, One of the dogs, I believe his name was Winston, was literally looking for these children, like going deep into the jungle. And sometimes he would come missing and then he would come back and he was like, it was like they would just let these dogs run loose in hopes that they found the children. So they were finding clues like diapers, um, baby bottles, children's footsteps. But still, when they were calling out to the children, they didn't hear any response. There's some area of speculation, especially because the grandfather seems very mystical. When I saw his interviews and just looking at him, you can tell that he believed in the area of spirit, legend, and that energy of what is out there that possibly can't be seen. Some of the things that the grandfather said was like, there is this entity of the jungle. There is like this mystical spiritual being that has taken the children. And that is why the children can't respond. It's almost because this entity or this spiritual being has taken the children. And It could be seen as a protection, but it also is kind of seen as an area where they have received this energy of the children and they don't want to give it back, especially because you would acknowledge that this entity or this energy would be feeling the presence of the of the other bodies of the other souls looking for the children. But the grandfather said that it's known to have this spirit energy in the jungle and it is probably taken the children. And that's why the children can't respond when they hear us calling for them. And that's why the children can't respond to our cries and our pleas to come out is because this being is holding it under almost like a light force. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And also what is interesting is that they believe that the head lead dog, (laughs) you guys know I'm a dog lover. So, um, the head lead dog, I believe, um, I'm not sure what kind of dog it is. It kind of looks like, 
It kind of looks like a German Shepherd mix to me, or maybe a full-blooded German Shepherd. You know, German Shepherds are usually like police dogs. So I feel like it is a German Shepherd mix from what I've seen of the, the dogs. But the dog's name is Wilson, and it's believed that Wilson sniffed out most of where the children were and led the um, the rescuers to the children. And this was going over a time period of 40 days in the jungle. And um, it's kind of interesting that the Colombian authorities are now looking for Wilson. So um, some people say that Wilson has always been that dog that kind of um, took his own lead and didn't necessarily wait for the rescuers. He would go and try to find um, find the children, right? Like he would try to just go find them. But now Wilson is missing. And actually three of the other search dogs who helped search for the kids are missing as well. So some people, um, especially indigenous um, people of the land, believe that this entity or this spiritual being that release that finally release the children back to the tribe and finally release the children back to the grandfather did somewhat of a trade basically saying that um even though we are giving this this area of the children back to the 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 community, the tribe, but we are now taking four new loyal companions, four new energies, four new souls of kind of like a guardian, right? Of somebody who will protect this entity. So it's believed that there may have been a trade that took on with this spiritual energy that said, even though, you know, we are giving back the children, we are going to take four dogs. And one of the dogs happens to be Wilson. Um, some people say that Wilson probably sacrificed himself and, you know, um, gave himself to this entity and the other three dogs followed so the children can be free. It's a pretty powerful and beautiful analysis if you think about if this is a spiritual being or some type of aura that has encapsulated the children where they weren't able to hear the grandfather's cries or the grandmother's cries that was holding on to this energy and then to simply um, let them go so they can, um, go back to their family. But it's, it's noted that the children have been making beautiful pictures of Wilson. So it makes me feel like Wilson was with the children more than just the time that he rescued them. Like, I don't know if Wilson knew where the children were for a while and then kind of because he didn't make that 
Argon or he didn't make that arrangement with the spiritual energy. And I know this is really deep, but in all honesty, that's the legend of what is kind of going on right now. So the youngsters did survive and they were returned back to the grandmother and the grandfather. And they kind of said that um, through drawings and stuff that they did see Wilson while they were um, like captured or lost at the jungle. So they've kind of acknowledged that, which I think is kind of eerie, but it's, it's always very interesting, but like, how come he didn't lead them to the family or he was the one who led them to the family. And then now he is gone because of that strong energy of leaving the children to the right direction kind of um, had a toll on him. But many people are looking for him. According to what the children told us, we can confirm that Wilson, our commando, was with them quite emaciated and without much to eat out there in the jungle. One of the general, Pedro Sanchez, added. But they have faith remains intact that Wilson is alive and that they are going to continue to look for him. I just think that's very interesting that that numerology of four is really playing out in this story like a lot. That four energy of Wilson, of the four dogs missing, the 40 days the four children and the children's ages are 13, 9, 4, and 1. All pretty like critical numbers when you think about it astrologically. And when I think about Pluto going retrograde in Aquarius, and that's the day that the plane crashes and I believe they found the children 40 days later, right around June 10th. That sends an energy that is very interesting on this whole Pluto and Aquarius thing. So I do think with Pluto and Aquarius, we are going to see a lot of different changes. We're also going to see a lot of different advancements, especially when it comes to technology. But I also think that with this whole Pluto and Aquarius, that we're also going to see, like have a new site. We're going to have that new energy of what is fully out there that possibly we never seen before. We probably didn't see areas of the collective fully having its eyes open, right? Fully having its area of the spiritual space coming to an energy that feels so realistic and feels like not so much of a story, but almost more of a reality base that there are energies and there are spiritual beings that walk through this earth with us that are in this space 
aligned with us. Um, and what's kind of interesting is the astrology of that Pluto in Aquarius retrograde, right between the two days that these children were found on June 9th, we had Mercury in Taurus sextiles Neptune in Pisces. And some, you know, really see that energy as something that can be centered around communications and also the earth, but also that dream energy of the Neptune, that dream energy of the Pisces. And then we also have to remember that we have Saturn in Pisces as well. So it's kind of creating this alignment where our relationships of what we don't necessarily, um, where we don't necessarily see a full reality base um, to be our only center of like communication. Like I think a lot more of us are starting to see that money and this reality base of where we make our decisions isn't necessarily overly overly dominant in the space of what it is that's going to make us survive, what it is that's going to make us um, overcome. If it is our spiritual essence, is it that dream area where we feel naive or our spiritual space to allow us to overcome and to move forward, right? Especially moving forward in something that is such like a strong obstacle. And also I think right with the retrograde happening on June 11th, where Pluto re-entered Capricorn, that it was like this transition. It was kind of like this, this peak of, um, after the children went missing, then they were found right around the time that, um, the retrograde is now shifting Pluto back into Capricorn, which kind of has that more earthy tone, that energy that feels a little bit more final. And it also feels like something that the collective needs to be working on, right? Like working on towards movement of what it is that we've seen in just that short period of time where Pluto was in Aquarius to now have Pluto going back into Capricorn. And we've seen a lot in just that short period of time that Pluto has been in Aquarius. We've already seen the area of AI really coming alive, that area where it's almost like it's undeniable for the collective, that area of technology advancing, the area of money, and a lot of that has to do with that Uranus energy, and also that area of um, the way we spend our money is a little bit different. The way that we move with our money is different. You know, um, I know I said that a lot of the malls were going to kind of go away with this Pluto in Aquarius, um, this Pluto in Aquarius transit. And then to actually see it happening, it was kind of a little mind blogging because I know, um, about two of the local malls 
one which was a very prominent mall in San Francisco is actually closing. A lot of stores are closing. A lot of um, uh, like malls that I thought would be in it to win it for the long term are actually um, closing. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, also, still that energy with the banks. I think we're going to see that the banks are going to be continuing to close or just not be as easily accessed, especially with this Pluto in um, Aquarius. But what I also think about this story that really stands out is the area of living on the land, how these children were able to survive past the snakes, <laughs> like the jaguars and um, mosquitoes. I mean, I went to Puerto Rico and we were kind of in the rainforest area. And I will tell you, those sand flies are like 20 times worse than mosquitoes. They literally ate me alive. <laughs> and um, it said that the children's story is basically breaking the odds of what survival is, right? It, it's, it, I mean, I don't know. And I, and I hate to sound like, um, you know, very just, but there is an element of these children being indigenous children that, allowed them to survive off the land. I don't know if like a kid from my neighborhood would be able to survive um, this, right? If if a plane crashed and um, four children from your neighborhood were in this this crash and, you know, let's say they came from a suburban neighborhood, would these children be able to survive? It really makes you wonder, you know, as species as as people who are so tied into the modern day the technology ways are we losing some of our element of survival are we losing some of our energy that ties into that survival area you know i don't know if i would be able to survive 40 days um in the jungle of the colombian amazon i wouldn't know which fruits were poisonous i wouldn't know which fruits <laughs> are non-poisonous. I, I wouldn't necessarily know that. So this, this to me shows that there is a part of us who needs to acknowledge that us advancing in technology at such a high expansion, we shouldn't allow it to take away from who we are as a species and take away from some of our survival area. One of the things I do want to talk about is the spirituality wrapped into the 40 days. And I know I kind of spoke about the astrology tied into this story, but let's speak about the 40 days. So 40 days when it comes to areas of story, areas of like just past journeys, the 40 days really, really resembles a lot. Um, and we see it pop back up with spiritual stories. We see it pop back up with a lot of areas of scripture, scripture. 
especially in the Bible. So the significance of the 40 in sacred scripture resembles that area of new life and new growth and transformation. And to me, that also really resembles that Pluto energy and kind of seeing it as a collective, especially right now with this story, it's kind of like hitting us in the face where we can't deny it. So the reign of the great floods, um, the great flood or the great deluge lasted 40 days and nights. Moses fasted for 40 days and nights to prepare himself to receive some type of law or some type of justice. Um, Moses was at, at the top of Mount um, Sinai Sine, <laughs> for 40 days and nights receiving the justice, receiving the law. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years after fleeing the Egyptians. So we see this number 40 really play a lot in spiritual stories. Um, the, the mana rain hit the Israelites for 40 years. The prophet Elijah walked 40 days and nights to reach the mountain of the God. Um, so we definitely can't deny that 40 is somewhere of a spiritual number it's really tied into a lot of stories. Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights to prepare for his public ministry. Also, Lent is 40 days. Um, Jesus ascended into heaven for 40 days after his glorious resurrection from the dead. And then from Christmas Day to the presentation, um, which is February 2nd, it is a total of 40 days. Um, the human the human gestation period, so how long it takes to make a baby is 40 weeks. So there's something very sacred about the number 40 when we look at it on a area that feels more esoteric, more holy, more spiritual. It really means something. And I remember I was like a young mom and I think like everybody told me not to take the baby out um, for 40 days. And, you know, I was raised Catholic. So um, I would sometimes hear stories like that, like, you know, uh, don't do this or don't do that. And regarding Lent for the 40 days, and when we think of the energy of Lent, we have to remember that Lent is also the world, the word Lent actually um, means springtime. It means Lenten, which means springtime. And that's kind of right around the time that springtime happens. And the, the season lasts 40 days because Jesus went to the desert for 40 days of fasting, meditation, and reflection before beginning his three years of public ministry. So there's a lot of divine 
area wrapped into just the 40 days. And I thought it was very interesting that these children were missing for 40 days and the speculation that there could be a entity that was taking care of them or there was some type of energy that was holding them hostage or holding them to a space where they couldn't like tell their grandparents, I'm here, I'm over here, come get us. Or um, that energy of the four. And when we look at the energy of four on a numerology type of structure, like just the energy of four, um, the meaning of four lets us know that there's some obstacles. The meaning of four lets us know that there's significance um, and it could be with relationships and it also can be with the area of um of movement and what's also interesting is the meaning of four and it symbolizes like an angel number but it also is associated with the planet uranus and currently we have that aspect of uranus because we have pluto in Aquarius, which is basically ruled by Uranus. And the Aquarius has that energy that's really tied to that revolution, that history of creating a uproar, of creating an obstacle, of everything not being so easy, of everything not being so... um, easy to obtain. And these children definitely went through something that was probably the biggest obstacle of all the elements, right? Of all the elements of the earth, of all the elements of the mind, of all the elements of the spiritual being and walking through their own area of 40 days. So when I think of this story, I really think of this story of something that can teach us that we can overcome. We can overcome, especially with that energy aligned with the four, and especially with that energy that's aligned with making our own revolution and making our own area of creation into a positive change, even though our strength might be very vulnerable and it might be very tied into disbelief and um, area that feels like an obstacle. So for not just the number of four on the energy of like an angel number and it being tied into Uranus, it also represents a lot of creation and having that strong nature, especially when it comes to hard work. And when it comes to that area of working a little bit harder than what some of us might be used to, right? Um, What some of us might be associated with, like putting in that extra step or putting in that extra area. So it's believed that on the fourth day of creation, God created the sun and the moon. So I thought that was very interesting that we see that high energy of the four all through this story, 
all through. And when we think about the four, we really think about the elements, the four elements, the earth, wind, fire, water. I mean, it doesn't get any more spiritual than this. So I do honestly think that what we saw in this story of the four children missing in the Amazon was really almost like could possibly be like a biblical story. Like even though, you know, a lot of us maybe shy away from the Bible. I mean, I would like to learn more of the biblical stories because I think they all tie into a lot of what's going on today and understanding the symbolism that comes from the stories, the symbolism that comes from the numbers of the elements of the past, even if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with when it comes to um, defined religion, religion, but it is something that I do agree with, with the interpretations of why these are high energy movements or moments or time spaces. So I just wanted to share this story with you guys. Um, so I will be doing a little bit of a change with the podcast. Um, not a huge change, but it's because I'm getting ready to work on season five. I know I said once I hit the fourth season that it was just going to be ever, never changing or never, um, that I was going to stay at the fourth season and leave it at that because four was such a powerful number. But I honestly feel like that would be um, unfair, that I feel like I need to represent a lot of change and I need to represent that area of a fifth season. The fifth season is going to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to stop doing the horoscopes on here. Um, I might still do them on YouTube with some new moon work, but um, for the actual podcast, I won't be doing the welcome to, let's say, cancer season and the horoscopes. And the reason why is because I feel like it's kind of redundant, even though there's new astrologically elements that I could talk about and aspects that I could talk about. But since I am opening up the astrology series, which will be like a deep dive of the astrology of the planets, the zodiacs, the degrees, also certain aspects, stories, and numerology that's kind of tied into it, I didn't want to have to do another astrology-based episode. And like I said, I don't consider myself an astrologer. I consider myself more of an alchemist, one who is centered off the energy of the elements, the energy of the world, and the energy of um, this alchemy of life. So I wanted to take a step back from the horoscopes And it will probably be either replaced with like another meditation or something that's related to the astrology series. I will still do the astrology transits for the upcoming month because I really like that 
Um, I really like that series and I think it helps keep us aware about stories like this and areas of like this, of seeing how it all ties in together of the energy of the cosmos and the energy of the earth. So I will still be doing that. But I just wanted to give you guys a little update. So season five is actually going to start off with the astrology series and that date is going to come on 7-7-23, which equals out to 7 7 7 <laughs> Ooh, I'm such a little trickster right there. <laughs> so um, it will be a Friday because I already checked the calendar and that will kind of be like a bonus episode. And then I will put like a meditation out that Monday. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, please like, subscribe, and also give this podcast a rating if you are interested in receiving a birth chart are getting my ebook, Creating Your Business or Brand Through the Chakra System. Remember, you can do that on chakrascusswords.com. Also, please check out my YouTube channel. I have many videos, um, short form videos, and I'm also on Instagram and on TikTok as well. Just look up Chakras Cuss Words. Everybody have an amazing day and we will talk later. Bye!